you for listening to the 33rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron, besides the fact that I showed up to the podcast today and all three of us are wearing the exact same shirt. Well, so that kind of made my day a little bit worse. We're, but we're all wearing our podcast shirts. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, but... The good thing is nobody will see us because we're here <laughs> by ourselves. <laughs> what, we were uh, going to get together to hang out last weekend, and uh, literally before I left my house, uh, Cameron Albert over here texts me and says, uh, FYI, I'm wearing my podcast hoodie, <laughs> and just that's it pretty much. They're like, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, yeah. oh. So in other words, don't wear your podcast hoodie because we're going out in public. We were going out in public, all th- and all three of us were going to be there. So just like, uh, just a heads up. All right. So producer Cameron and I have another shirt that is the same, just a generic <laughs> colored shirt, and um, we have worn that in public at the same time. So... Uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. All right. Well, I reserve the right to wear it next time we're going to public. Okay. We'll we'll have cycles. We'll all get our our sure. turn. Sure. All right. Just uh, call dibs. Is all you got to do. Cool. You have to actually send a picture of your outfit. Everybody has. To, if anybody wants to wear it, you send a picture of your outfit, and whoever whoever's <laughs> outfit works best with the shirt gets to wear it. Okay. I'm up for the challenge. All right. Well, Kyle, I have one piece of news for you this week. It is the fact that Missouri basketball offered a scholarship to a junior college player named Sean McNeil, and he is the top, he's the leading junior college scorer in the country, I believe, at 30.4 points per game for Sinclair Community College in Ohio. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit interesting. At this point, I'm just going to try to stop figuring out what Conzo's doing because I know I know there's a plan, but I don't know what it is because obviously there's very glaring issues on the team right now, and it's the fact that we have one effective uh, big man. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure everyone it seems like we're in on right now is like a you know small wing. forward or yeah. a wing or, yeah. or a guard. So including this guy, I think he's a 6'4 shooting guard. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> obviously... Yeah, he makes shots, and it'd be good to have another guard that can score. But yeah, he has three years of eligibility remaining, and um, he would be a, a 2019 recruit. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I read that 80 plus schools has re- have reached out to that's this what guy. I saw, yeah. So this is kind of the time of the year where the JUCO guys kind of start coming into the picture. There's almost like a another recruiting period that comes in kind of late whenever the coaching carousel starts and guys start transferring because of coaching changes, whatever it is, and the JUCO guys kind of start to find their way into the picture. There are some really good JUCO players out there, um, so, and this guy is, it seems to be one of them. So he is gonna, he's going to land somewhere in a, in a good spot. Yeah, when you said you're, you're done trying to figure out the plan exactly, I was like, yeah, I think I've been done for a little while now. Like maybe when they announced that Christian Guess was, was, uh, was committing – that was maybe when I was like, okay, I give up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. These these names come out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And um, with it seems like in the past you've been able to, and there's always a few guys where it's like, okay, this is the guy they're after. They don't get him or they get him. But also it's just like, I don't know, just completely random at times. And the, and Martin's staff seems so sneaky when it comes to recruiting that they'll just pull something like. Trey Jackson flipping, you know. In, yeah, that came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And then, but at the same time, you know, like I said, there's always those guys that you can look towards in each class. They're like, these are the guys we're going after. Mm-hmm. But then you're never going to get every single guy that you're going after. Right. So, we kind of had that early on in this recruiting cycle with Mario McKinney and uh, EJ Liddell and some of those names. And then obviously some committed, some didn't. And now we've just kind of had silence for months and, and a couple was, of random names guy too True. just like always there and then it was just you know that back yeah. and forth real quick things were decided early on and now we haven't really heard of much but um it still seems like they want to take at least one or maybe two more guys uh before next season and you know obviously like i said i'm going to stop trying to predict what's going on with the plan but it sure seems like someone currently on the roster maybe more than one person currently on the roster that's you know, has eligi- eligibility for next year will not be here. Right. 
Yeah, and it seems like based on the two years so far, this is going to be a thing every season. Yeah, where they're literally. I mean, it's. I see this happening in perpetuity, where they are looking to add players, add more players than their spots for. Mm-hmm. And I and I just think that we're going to have to get used to that. Yeah, it always and, seems to work out somehow. Yeah, um, maybe as a Mizzou fan, we're not as used to that, and maybe that's just how high-level recruiting goes. I mean, with with Kim Anderson, it was always kind of like, I don't know, you'd you'd see a few names pop up, and it was. Well, it was so chaotic anyway because you had whole recruiting classes only staying for two seasons. So, yeah. I don't know. What's I think maybe the most perplexing part of this is if you want to try to take your best educated guess at who might not be on the roster next year that currently is, is uh, maybe some of these guys who aren't being pre- as productive as maybe we hoped or aren't getting as much playing time, and that immediately makes you think of Mitchell Smith or uh, KJ Santos, which they both play the same position. So which and is which is a four. They both used a red shirt year. Yes, they have. So they both play the four position, but everybody that we're offering are is a guard. Yeah. So does that make you, you know, think that maybe a, they think a guard's gonna leave, but nobody you know, you know, out of these guys, you know, Watson, Mark Smith, Pickett, none of those guys seem like candidates to transfer at all. Right. So I just have no idea what's going to happen at this point. Right. And I don't, I honestly don't think the staff is assuming that anybody's going to leave. I think that they're just getting, they're just collecting the best talent possible and it'll work itself out. Yeah, you're probably right. And I still think there's a good chance that we end up with some kind of graduate transfer or some kind of transfer from another school who already has played in college before, or maybe mm-hmm. they're transferring because of a uh, kind of like a Drew Smith situation. Right. I still think we end up with maybe even a graduate transfer name or something that we still haven't even heard yet. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yes, indeed. Um, that's all I have for news. So um, we were trying to figure out what's the best way to talk about two losses. And I don't think we really figured it out. Because Missouri lost two games since we last talked. They lost uh, at Ole Miss and home against Kentucky. Um, Both games, I think, went kind of like we expected, even if um, on the optimistic side of things, which I think we both kind of were. I think maybe you predicted a little bit bigger loss uh, for Missouri in one of these. But, um, like, best-case scenario was them keeping it around 10, and that's exactly what they did in both games. Yeah and fought hard till the end. I mean, there was no, there was absolutely no giving up. Um, in the last 10 minutes of, Missouri won the last 10 minutes of both games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like you said, these games pretty much went exactly how we thought they would. Um, I don't know how you want to talk about these games, but in, specifically in the Kentucky game, uh, I think it's been pretty well documented that Konza Martin was not happy with the effort given in the first half of that game, which is weird because I feel like if Missouri has done anything well this year, it's just that they play hard all the time, mm-hmm. and they have guys who just all are, you know are always doing what Coach Martin Coach Martin asks and yeah. um, kind of have that look in their eyes that they just want to play hard all the time and, and give it everything. Uh, and you know, Konza was talking about how he just didn't see that from you know a lot of the players in the first half of the Kentucky game. Then you know, kind of apparently kind of handed it to him in halftime of that game and said, you know, if you're not going to play hard, then you're not going to play at all and kind of kind of drew the line. So, And then they came out and, and looked better in the second half of that game. And I think they won the second half by like 12 points or something, didn't they? Um, I, I think they outscored him by a decent margin in the second half. but he, They won the second half by 10. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean – it looked like uh, Coach Martin knows, you know, who's going to play hard whenever he demands it of them, and obviously you're always going to get that from probably Pickett and Suggs, but um, Geist, Geist probably too. But you know, some of those guys <clears throat> just weren't putting forth the effort, and which is kind of weird whenever you've got a top five team in the country in your in your building and you, you're not playing as hard as you can. That's yeah. a, a little perplexing, I think. Yeah, you never know if somebody's just, you know, having an off day and it uh, 
carries over onto the court. Um, obviously, it's not ideal, but it happens, and that's what the coach is there for to figure that kind of thing out and just mm -hmm. put the guys out here out there who are gonna give it their all. And I and I thought it was interesting the second half where Missouri played its best basketball. They played a four guard lineup pretty much the whole second half. They were playing Suggs at the four um, a lot, and he actually did a really good job um, matching up against P.J. Washington, mm -hmm. which if yeah, you'd have told me, both. If you'd have told me before the game, uh, they're going to try Suggs guarding Washington and see just see how that goes, I would have said, uh-oh, that's <laughs> – Yeah. Washington might go for 35. Yeah, and, yeah, Tillman, <clears throat> he, you know, got in foul trouble really early in this game, and so obviously we had to get creative with how we were going to guard. But, um, yeah. And, and Martin was still – pretty aggressive with Tillman I mean he played him uh, extended minutes where earlier in the season he would have been on the bench with foul trouble yeah uh, yeah you made an interesting point though about the four guard lineup and <clears throat> I think I saw this all over Twitter about um, in the, in the post-game press conference they're asking Conzo Martin about the four the four guard lineup and um, maybe about why Kevin Purrier wasn't playing as much and stuff like that and I thought Conzo had a really uh, cryptic comments just about how I, I should probably should have looked at the quote uh, exactly before I start talking about it but he said something to the effect of sometimes at some point you just got to do what's best for your program yeah he was asked about um, getting buy-in from all the players and or no 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 that that's two separate things but um, that was that was just an interesting press conference overall because yeah, he was he that, was very you're exactly right when he was talking about the four guard lineup um, you got to do what's best for your program which is which as a fan, you just immediately go, uh, he's talking about not playing a senior in Perrier just because he's a senior um, and probably deserves to be out there, deserves in air quotes. Um, we're not going to play it like that. We're going to play what's best for the program. Mm -hmm. It surely seems like that may have been what he was alluding to. I don't know for sure if that's what he was talking right. about. but uh, Yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be, if he didn't mean that, um, he probably should have been a little bit more clear because that's what everybody's going to assume. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of see where he's coming from, though, if you're just like, that's a good precedent to set, I think, and just be like, hey, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, if you're not bringing it, you're just going to sit. Mm -hmm. And I, we've seen that a couple times this year where a guy just sits for an, a little bit of an extended time. But um, Purrier seems like the guy, the type of guy that would bounce back and, you know, take the challenge head on and just be like, okay, I, I get what's going on here. We're going to. I'm going to buckle down and finish off my senior year right. Yeah. Uh, he seems like definitely the person that would do that. Um, definitely seems like the person who would be able to bounce back on the court too, but we still haven't seen that. He's definitely just, I don't know what's going on with him. He's just in his head or something at this point. But um, it's been disappointing to see him have his worst season in a Mizzou uniform. Yeah, I still don't think there, there's too much of a – gap between his floor and his ceiling um obviously i don't know I, I think some people might have been expecting him to be like a, a 12 point per game guy or something this year and i i just never really saw that personally i haven't been extremely disappointed with his play this year just because i, I don't know my expe expectations have never been incredibly high for him um so if he's able to you know pull down some rebounds, get some put-back attempts, things like that on offense, maybe knock down a three here and there. And, I mean, jumping back to the um, Ole Miss game, um, he made a three in that but only played 11 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that's back-to-back -back games with – less than with 12 or less minutes for per year so yeah and kj santos played 20 minutes at zero points and four turnovers yeah <laughs> the four spot has been a struggle absolute black hole did you think um <clears throat> did you think mark smith looked like he probably wasn't ready to play yet in that game well they talked about um i can't remember who uh, one of the broadcasters was talking about how they basically missouri basically decided He's going to be in pain when he's out there, but he isn't at risk of injuring himself further. And the only thing he could do to to fix it is just not play. Mm -hmm. 
I think I heard them talking about maybe in the Kentucky game that he had some ankle injuries, some some injuries dating back to high school. Did mm-hmm. I hear that correctly? I don't remember. Okay. I think that's what they were talking about is that he's kind of had a history of, of ankle injuries and um, just kind of lingers on and kind of keeps re-injuring it and stuff like that. So hopefully that's something that he can uh, get figured out and hopefully it doesn't keep bothering him. Yeah, I mean, he is he's one of eight in these two games now from three uh, since returning from injury. So... And you can just tell when he's running around on the floor that it's bothering him. Um, there was one play in particular, I can't remember which game it was, where he was guarding the inbounds pass and he was jumping up and down and landing on one foot just because it seemed like it was painful for him to land on the, the injured ankle. So um, that's not great. You want him, But then at the same time, he was making, making all of his cuts, coming off his screens quickly and looked looked good shooting the ball still. They just weren't, weren't going down. Um, when you miss six games, that's going to happen, I think. One thing that I wanted to point out of in the Ole Miss game, which was obvious um, on the TV broadcast, in the second half when Missouri was playing defense away from their bench, Conzo Martin was getting really animated um, on the sideline, and he was basically taking every bit of the coach's box, and the way that the broadcasters were sitting was like the edge of the coach's box went right in front of the two announcers and he was yelling I, I seriously he was yelling like a crazy person in this game and when Missouri was on defense he was it sounded like if I didn't know better I would have thought that it was a fan screaming when an Ole Miss player was about to shoot like to try to mess them up I think Conzo was yelling hands you know like get your hands up to uh, contest the shot but he was yelling it um, if, if you watch the second half, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because it was very obvious. And he was yelling at Reed. Reed, you could hear him Reed, Reed, over and over again. <laughs> yeah, um, that was just an interesting game altogether. Um, I, I know I've been jumping around a little bit, but I kind of wanted to to go back to KJ quickly. And mm-hmm. I, I know that we've talked about this a little bit off air, but um, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, at what point? Can we? Is it too early to consider that KJ might have been a complete miss by the staff, or do you think that um, do you think he, there's still time for him to bounce back and have a serviceable role on this team? Like, at, at what point can we deem him a miss? Well, it's, or not a it's, miss? It's kind of hard to do that just because you don't know exactly what the. Uh, I mean, if you expected him to, I'm gonna pull up his Kempom profile here so I can look at his numbers from his uh, freshman season. But it, with the way that the uh, <laughs> Kempom uh, they they list the players on a team uh, based on their uh, usage rate, so like major contributors for Missouri are Jeremiah Tillman and Xavier Pinson. Uh, Pinson turns the ball over too much, so his usage rate is inflated. Um, so it goes major contributor all the way down to nearly invisible. And that's where we find uh, KJ Santos. So I just thought I'd throw that out there since we were talking about him. So his freshman season at Illinois Chicago, he shot 36%, 37% from three on nearly 100 attempts, but 39% from two. Hmm. Um, and played 60% of available minutes with an offensive rating of 90. So if the staff was expecting something like that this season, or any fans were, I think you were setting yourself up for disappointment because he went so long without playing. I'm trying to talk myself into not considering it a miss, basically. Yeah, and then he got hurt. Yeah, then he got hurt. So. I, I do think it's too early. I think when we when he gets a full off season and has a competition with Trey Jackson and Mitchell Smith for the four spot next year, I think within the first before non conference season is over next year, we will know for sure. Mm-hmm. That'll be his junior season and if he's gonna contribute offensively, we'll see it early I think yeah sometimes I think a lot of what helps players develop through their careers is a confidence to assume their role that they know 
like I, I'm the guy I got to go out and, and and perform for the team to help us win uh, it, it almost looks like a confidence thing to me because we know that the talent is there we've seen mm-hmm. the highlight reel we know the athleticism is there we know we can shoot at least and, he and used to be able to moments of that athleticism coming back yes so we, we know that it's there but it looks the nearly invisible thing is so fitting because it's true he plays 20 minutes and doesn't have any stats what's he doing out there yeah he doesn't look like he wants to shoot right doesn't look like he is comfortable with the offense being run uh it looks like a confidence thing to me and maybe when whenever he you know kevin Perrier moves on next year and uh, maybe he gets more comfortable in the program and, and kind of realizes his maybe seniority. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll maybe it'll boost his confidence and he'll go out and, and perform better. I don't know. Uh, that's again, like you said, I'm talking myself into just hoping that he becomes the player that you know that staff thought he would be because um, it's obviously clearly not there right now. Um, so it's it's really I I don't know. It, it's just the most interesting player on the entire team i think yeah i think uh, i remember when he was added to the roster um i saw multiple people saying that whose opinion i respect saying outside of jonte porter kj santos was the most likely pro prospect on the team i remember seeing that too so that brings me to my next thought is is drew smith going to be as good as as advertised so because yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Drew Smith lately. Go ahead and finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say, I think I saw an interview recently with TJ Moe and Dave Matter talking about Drew Smith. And obviously, you know, the staff loves him. And at one point before the season started, D- Dave made this comment that Conzo Martin said, Drew Smith is the best player on the team. And that's before Jonte got hurt. Yeah. That is, that is massive. And I actually remember um, from hearing reports out of some of the early practices and scrimmages before Jonte got hurt that um, Jonte and Drew Smith were head and shoulders better players than anybody else on the team and that got me really excited and (laughs) that it just this is a little sidebar but Drew Smith getting eligibility and Jonte staying healthy if those two things had happened you can look at like I don't know, five games right now that are probably Missouri wins mm-hmm. if those two things happen. If if the reports were true and, and they had developed or, you know, they were going to perform in the season like everybody thought. Yeah. I mean, a completely different team. Yeah. Yeah, it – it's uh, it's disappointing that Drew Smith wasn't eligible to play this year. Um, I got to say, it's not the end of the world knowing that he still has two years of eligibility. Uh, and obviously, this is not new information to anybody. But the loss of Jonte is just absolutely yeah. backbreaking, considering he's just going to move on and yeah. like that was it. But to go back to your question about the same thing happening with him as with KJ Santos, I I don't think so at all. Um, partly because I think they're. What Drew Smith is going to be asked to do is just, you know, run the offense. Um, he'll get back backed up by Xavier Pinson. I assume it'll be a similar minutes relationship as with Geist and Pinson right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it may take him just. A, I, I honestly, I don't think it'll take him that long because he'll be he'll be practicing with the team. Um, you know, a few non-conference games. To get him up to speed and I think Drew Smith will be off and running and I think we'll see an uptick on the defensive end um, he's a guy that gets steals a higher steal percentage than anybody on Mizzou's roster right now mm-hmm. so yeah I think the, the main difference for me between him and KJ Santos is to me KJ was maybe a little bit more of a volatile player like he's not very efficient uh, even with like in his first year whenever he was pretty good at at Illinois Chicago he was still pretty inefficient from two uh his you know his high high athleticism maybe not a lot of efficiency Drew Smith is a complete opposite like not great athleticism not great athleticism but really really high floor and really efficient yeah um and I, I think that at least in college basketball I would probably much rather have the less athleticism more efficiency yeah if that think, makes sense yeah i think drew smith's bad games are going to be like one of five from three with 
five assists and one turnover. Right. And but still playing lockdown D four out and running the offense. And like making a handful of free throws. I think his bad games are still going to be pretty efficient and just not turning the ball over. Yeah. I think is going to be a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I know the grass is always greener phrase. It's oh, it's pretty true to a lot of different scenarios and like it's it's easy to always think that whatever you're, you know whoever's on the bench or the, is the best yeah. players. Yeah. I know it's really easy to think that, but I, I really think that we're that Mark we're right. Us down. I think Mark we're us right down. on Drew Smith. Yep. And if we're wrong, then we're going to look really stupid. And, but everybody will. Yeah. So it's not just us. We'll admit it. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I surely but hope not. Bookmark this episode the, as the, going back, talking about Drew Smith. This time next year, we'll assess whether we were right or not. Uh, another thing that stuck out to me that I mentioned, I was getting my Conzo Martin quotes mixed up, uh, was when he was asked about buy-in from players. And if... I'm sure you've probably seen the quote by now, but he was—he basically s- said that that's not an issue because what are you doing if you're not bought in? Like, um, to paraphrase, he said something to the effect of, "If if you're not buying in, if you're not playing hard, then you just you relocate, <laughs> you find yeah. someplace else to be." Yeah, he said you're you're on scholarship. Why why would you not be bought in? Yeah. You're someone is paying for you to play college basketball. Yeah, so he basically dismissed it as something that should never happen which i think is i mean if that if that gets back to the players if i'm a player i'm thinking all right and they have to already know that that's the expectation i mean it would be a, a very strange situation for him saying that to be a surprise to any of the players right but i think it seems like anytime he talks um i enjoy what he has to say and it makes me happy that he's the coach um and I think we see that in the in the fact that these games aren't getting out of hand. I mean, the the, the Auburn game uh, was a pretty bad end result on the scoreboard. But other than that, uh, Missouri has fought hard in every game that they've played this season, I, and I think that'll continue. But yeah, they they really don't they don't give up and they don't get blown out uh, hardly ever. Yeah, and Kentucky is. Is really really good. Oh, yeah. They are really talented and they're well coached and they're starting to put it all together. They could be a Final Four team this year. Yeah, I think it, it is going to be really interesting to see who wins between them and Tennessee on March second. I'd like to see them play on neutral court, and I'm sure we may get our our wish in the in the SEC tournament. So. Yeah, um, those two teams are kind of going to go back and forth for a one seed, I think, until Selection Sunday. It might be up in the air depending on how this game at the beginning of March goes and the uh, assumed one in the SEC tournament. If one of those teams gets upset in the SEC tournament, then that maybe opens the door for the other one to grab that one seed. But I would be shocked if one of those teams is not a, an, an overall one seed in the NCAA tournament. I agree. Um, a team, Kyle, if you're ready to move on, a team that I considered out of the NCAA tournament field is Florida. And then they decided that they would win three games in a row, including last night in an overtime win at LSU. And they put themselves right back onto the good side of the bubble, I guess. And now they get to play Mizzou at home. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like that's happened a lot lately. Uh, Kentucky goes out and beats Tennessee, and then their next game is Mizzou. Well, maybe they'll just uh, be overlooking Missouri. Maybe so. see how many times we can say that before the season's over. Florida is really good, though. They have underperformed uh, record-wise, although their record does not tell the whole story because um, all of their losses, they have 11 losses this season. All of them have come to top 50 Ken Palm teams, except a home loss to South Carolina. But South Carolina, what do we even make of, of South Carolina? So <laughs> True. That um, doesn't even count. South Carolina has played like a top 50 Ken Palm team in conference season. True. Yeah. Um, but Florida has had a, a really tough schedule, which will help them uh, when it comes to Selection Sunday. So they are one of the few teams, I feel like, in the SEC where all they have to do is be above 500 just about. Like 10 wins in the SEC season, I think, will get them in the NCAA tournament. And their schedule actually sets up pretty well. They play 
at home against Missouri, then they play at Vanderbilt, and then home against Georgia. Wow. So, yeah, they're definitely. They could be sitting at on ten a and six, you know, going into the last week of the t- of the season. Yeah, and they're just that big brand name too, where they're probably going to get the benefit of the doubt if they're on if they find themselves on the bubble of the NCAA tournament, they will most likely find their way to squeak in. And they play Kentucky at Rupp Arena to finish the regular season. So if they wanted to just um, remove any doubt, just go win that game. Honestly, that's a kind of game that's just on it's there's there's nothing you can lose if you're florida because if you lose then you're expected to and if you win then it's it's not gonna it's massive yeah it doesn't hurt you in any way um florida is excellent on defense um we just i just said they they beat lsu um in overtime um lsu scored 13 points in the overtime period so their final total of 77 um was helped out quite a bit by overtime so florida did a really good job on defense against LSU, one of the uh, best offenses in the country, let alone the SEC. Florida is a lot like Mizzou, and then they play an incredibly slow tempo. And uh, this will be—they actually play slower than Missouri, so this will be like going back to the UCF game. Like this will be that kind of slow, I think. Yeah. So that gives Mizzou an opportunity, though, to. If they if they shoot well, you know you never yeah. know because it's going to be a really low possession game. And I think that's one of the reasons Florida has so many losses because they have a lot of close losses, and slow paced teams are always going to have this issue where they're in a lot of games, but also they can't pull away, and their yep. opponent is going to be in it as well. Right, they so, leave the door open yeah. to uh, to get upset if if the other team hits a bunch of threes like. Uh, Virginia versus UMBC in the NCAA exactly. tournament. It's pretty much the most prominent example yes, I can think of the, that. The best example for that. Um, Florida has a great defense. They are eighth in the country in turnover percentage defense. So there's that. Um, we we've, <laughs> we didn't mention the turnovers in the Ole Miss game. Uh, Missouri turned the ball over 25 times. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was kind of watching that game off and on because <laughs> it was just it was just so pedestrian and yeah Mizzou was turning the ball over so much and I actually thought (laughs) that we're back in the recap segment I actually thought that there was a chance Missouri cut it to eight a couple times I think with like they did it with like seven minutes left and then with four minutes left and I was like man there's something here like they are they're making a push to get back in this game um but they needed like one more three to fall a couple of times that just didn't happen and then the same thing kind of happened in the in the kentucky game where i was like man they're the fight is there and they're getting stops you know sometimes but then they just can't string it together it's just such a talent you, know, you need a little bit of run and yeah when you're just outmatched you're, you're not going to get a good run on a team like that yeah um but florida forces turnovers so hopefully we don't see a the fourth um record turnover game um i don't know if you saw this on twitter but there's been three games this year that are now the three highest turnover percentage games for missouri on ken palm that's nuts that's just crazy we thought last year was bad that dates back to 2002 um florida has a pretty good three-point defense they block a lot of shots they get a lot of steals they're really athletic they don't shoot the ball very well they're not an uh, imposing offense by any means so i think missouri will be able to force them into some bad shots some late shot clock situations and i i honestly think missouri has a really good chance of being in this game throughout much more than they did against ole miss or kentucky Um, looking at Florida's roster a little bit, they are led by Kevon Allen. Um, he's a senior guard, but, and he, he's really good, but they, they have a really fantastic freshman class and it's not full of one and done guys either. So they've got a point guard, Andrew Nemhard, and, um, another guard named Noah Locke, who's a really good three point shooter and Keontae Johnson, who's just outrageously athletic we saw him in the tournament champions last year here in springfield um those three guys are going to be a an amazing core 
for Florida for the next, for two more seasons, I think. Are you going to tell the listeners about your experience with Andrew Nimhard? I think I've I've said it before on here, but but uh, if you don't know, I got the opportunity to uh, give my recruiting pitch to Andrew Nimhard on <laughs> attending the University of Missouri. <laughs> uh, he actually had an offer from Missouri when Cam Anderson was the coach. Um, he's originally from Canada, and Missouri had had some success recruiting players out of Canada. And he was playing for Montverde out of Florida. And he was playing in the Tournament of Champions as a sophomore. And he was their starting point guard. That team had R.J. Barrett uh, as a junior. And then he reclassified. And he's playing at Duke now. So Andrew Nimhard, I was going to get autographs. I was going to get R.J. Barrett's autograph. And Andrew Nimhard was sitting on the edge or the, the aisle before R.J. And so I passed my program down the line to get get it signed, and I was like, hey, you got an offer from Missouri, right? He said, yeah, and I said, oh, uh, we'd love to have you. Um, we need some good players, and he said, I said, are you going to visit? And he said, oh, for sure. <laughs> for <laughs> did he sure. actually visit? No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my but gosh. We're going to blame that on uh, the coaching change that happened like a year later and not on the fact that he wasn't actually interested in Missouri. You're probably a better recruiter than Kim Anderson. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, give me give me an in home with Andrew Nimhard, and I'm getting that. Yeah, I remember we had that uh, <laughs> like assistant coach that had the uh, ties to Canada. Yeah, in I can't like, remember his name. Uh, that like prep school that he mm-hmm. was the coach of or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't really work out that well. No, but Andrew Nimhard is the real deal. Uh, he was a five star point guard, and yeah, we also saw Keontae Johnson. Yeah, like watch out for putback dunks and don't let him get going in transition because he's incredibly athletic. He was the MVP of the Tournament of Champions his senior year at Oak Hill. So Florida is, this might be the worst that this team is for the next three or four years. So you're going to pick Missouri to pull off the upset? I'm not. Um, I'm going to pick Florida to win this game by nine points. And the score is going to be 69-60. Nice. Nice. Um, Yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Kyle got it right. Why Why would I mess with it? Yep, that's what it's going to be. It's not a guess, that's what it's going to be. Do you know that movie, Producer Cameron? Should I? Uh, maybe not. The no. Water Boy. Bobby Boucher's girlfriend uh, predicts the score of the the Bourbon Bowl. And he says, oh, that's quite a guess. And he says, she says, that's not a guess, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> and she was right. So I think I was right. That's amazing. I was going to guess the uh, Lion King. Close. <laughs> Close. <laughs> the Lion King, very similar in spirit to The Waterboy as films. So Missouri is then going to play at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is 19-7 and seven on the season, 7-6, and six, just like Florida in SEC play so far. They're ranked 23rd in Ken Palm, 17th on offense, 50th on defense. They have four wins over top 50 teams so far this season. Or they had four wins over top 50 teams just in non-conference. They went 12-1 and one in non-conference, and their only loss was to Arizona State. And they are also, believe it or not, coming off a three-game winning streak. They couldn't make it four with a win over South Carolina on Saturday. Mississippi State is a team that I was really high on before the season. And don't get me wrong, they're really good. I thought they would be a little bit better than they have been. I still think they'll make the tournament and yeah, could could beat some teams for sure. Uh, they're just really well-rounded, and they've got a lot of experience and a good coach. I just thought this would be the year that they really put it together. Um, but we still got quite a ways to go in the season. So, Yeah, um, Quindary Witherspoon has been the guy for them for a couple of years now, and that – has not changed this season he's averaging 19 points per game and shooting almost 50 percent from three in sec play it's crazy yeah so he can go off and he will get his points no matter what i believe um 
overall they they shoot the three pretty well as a team 50th in the country in three-point shooting and uh, their defense gets a lot of steals 12th in the country in steals they don't overall their turnover numbers aren't crazy impressive as a defense but steals in particular by their guards are up there Um, they got three guys four guys that average or that have a steal percentage of 2.6 or better and for reference Missouri has one player with a steal percentage of 2.0 and that is Jordan Geist everybody else is lower than that so they generate a lot of steals they have like you said they're very well rounded they have three guys that play um, meaningful minutes at 610 or or taller two of them will start and they'll play 30 minutes a piece and then they got another guy who's 611 that comes off the bench and um, I just think it'll be really hard for Missouri's guards to drive the ball they're just gonna have to rely on three-point shooting I think um, I think that's the story of both of these both of these games I mean if you're gonna try to upset a team on the road that's you know a top 25 caliber team you're gonna have to shoot lights out from three pretty much we need mark smith to uh to be healthy and not turn the ball over (laughs) and not turn the ball over i i just don't i don't have a good feeling about this game at all uh (laughs) mississippi state's really good um i think missouri could lose this game by 15 honestly so that would i think be their second worst loss in as far as margin of victory, margin of defeat in conference play, they lost to Auburn by a ton. Yeah, they did. So we're not looking at that kind of blowout, you don't think? Probably not. I, th- I think it'll be a 75 to 61, which is a 14-point deficit. Man, you're just killing it with these predictions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um... I kind of, I don't know. It's so hard to predict a basketball score. Yeah. Let's see. Mississippi State. When they win, though, man. I'll, I'll say it's a little bit higher scoring. Give me 81 67. Missouri. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are some uh, some dark days for sure of Missouri basketball. It's just a long season with a lot of tough games. But Missouri will not be bad forever. No. And we gave you some reasons why in this very episode with Drew Smith. And, um, and I think as a podcast, we can go ahead and guarantee that Jonte Porter will be back next season. Uh <laughs> yeah, we all on board oh yeah. for that. I, I'm. I would like that. Yes, I'm on board <laughs> to imagine that. Yes. No, I'm saying, are you on board that the listeners can count on that as a stone cold guarantee from the Missouri Sports Podcast? If you're not, if you're not comfortable with that, just tell me. Um, no, I'm totally comfortable with that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> um. Uh, Producer Cameron, how long have we been talking? Um, For approximately three quarters of an hour. Okay. Well, I have a quick quiz for Kyle to see if he can identify a player from Missouri's past that has since moved on from the program, and we'll find out whatever happened to them. Does that sound good? Sounds great. So we've got yet another player who was recruited by Frank Haith but ended up playing sometime under Cam Anderson. And this guy was a four-star recruit out of high school. You got any, any names that really come to mind based on that description? No. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah, keep going. I don't so, want to say any names out loud. But you might be right. No, it's true, but I want you to I want you to give me another clue. Oh my gosh, it's too easy. Okay, well That was a clue. 
It's too easy. <laughs> oh, man. So there was Jonathan Williams, but we already had that one. Uh, he was recruited by Frank Haith, played for Kim Anderson. So it was probably around that same time. You didn't say how long he played for Kim Anderson, so he could have played for multiple years. Uh, so I'm trying to think who would have transferred in the Kim Anderson era. There was a lot of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, Here's hold a on, clue. Hold on. Okay. Uh, nope. Okay. We already did that first one. Okay, okay. I thought I had it there for a second. Okay. What? But I said that we, I was thinking of a Tor, uh, Torrance Jones or whatever Torrance Jones. Tor, Torrance Jones, yeah. yeah. I was thinking of him, but we already did him too. Yeah. Okay, this player played at least part of three seasons at Missouri. Part of three seasons, okay. How many seasons with Kim Anderson? Two. Hmm, man. I don't remember the Frank Haith years that well for some reason. You've been you've been right around it. Your first your first thought was really Probably a guard. If All right. I'm just struggling to think cuz a lot of, I feel like a lot of the people that Frank Haith recruited were like transfers from other schools like Jabari Brown and Jordan oh, Clarkson, right. Ernest Ross, Keon right. Keon Bell. Mm-hmm. No, this guy he recruited out of high school. Played played for him played under Frank Haith for one season, and then played two for Kim Anderson. Well, two and a little bit. Why can I not think who this is? One and a little bit. All right. Uh, uh, was he really athletic? He was pretty athletic. Deuce Bellow. No. Okay. Hmm. No, this guy. This guy played a lot. Deuce Bella would have um, been... He didn't play for Cam Anderson, did he? I, I don't remember. I don't think he did. He may have. Maybe one year. This guy played a lot. Like 50% of his available minutes he was playing. Every season. Um, this is crazy. I can't think of who this is. <laughs> oh, man. This is, this is, I think this is going to be the worst one for uh, listeners already knowing That's who crazy. I'm talking about. All right. You ready, you ready for the... I must the, have spent all my brain juice at work today. Must have. So... Uh, this player sat out a season after transferring, and we actually didn't really know what was going on. Uh, he didn't actually transfer. That's not exactly how he left the program. He didn't. It wasn't announced this player is transferring. It was announced this player is no longer on the team for academic reasons. Oh, Wes Clark. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Man, okay, yeah, there's that recruiting class of just Jonathan Williams and Wes Clark. Yeah. That actually that recruiting class actually already had also had Shane Rector. I remember him. He transferred. He transferred to Utah State. Yeah. I remember watching him here in Springfield cuz Utah State came to JQH and played Missouri State. But Wes Clark transferred to Buffalo. Yeah. Played once played his senior year at Buffalo. And then they went to the Sweet Sixteen last year, or maybe they just won one game. They won one game. They, they beat Arizona. They beat Arizona. So they upset Arizona as a they they were a thirteen seed. Buffalo was a thirteen seed and beat Arizona. Um West Clark as a player for Buffalo was like a an all conference type player. Um the fourth best assist rate in the conference. Uh, he shot his. He had his best season, best conference season shooting three pointer. He had by far his best season shooting two pointers. He was fifty three percent on twos. His best season at Missouri was forty percent. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the the thing that stands out to me about. Wes Clark's Missouri career and it's unfortunate that it's this but it's the Arkansas game I don't remember what year it was Mm -hmm. but Wes Clark it was like a one point game and as time was like expiring pretty much there's only a couple seconds left of that Wes Clark goes to the free throw line shooting two misses both and we lose by one when obviously we had the chance to pretty much easily win yeah uh there's like this famous, I guess, famous in Mizzou uh, circles, this famous picture of Kim English coming out of the crowd to like console Wes Clark. And I think it was like Gary Link or yeah. something. 
uh, also helping him off the court. He's got his face just buried in his hands because yeah. uh, he was just so distraught after missing both free throws. That was awful. That was an awful moment as a fan as well. Um, but you really felt for him. Yeah, I remember that definitely. Um, something that sticks out to me is him dislocating his elbow. Yes. And missing some time. I remember <laughs> he was like, like it was bad. Like I wasn't he like screaming or something. Yeah. Like it was at South Carolina. I remember Frank Martin like addressing it. It was just bad. Yeah. And then of course his eventual dismissal, which was kind of strange because the uh, Missouri put out you know that it was a academic related matter basically that he was kicked off the team and then west clark said he tweeted a response to that saying never dismissed by the way so i don't know who knows it, what happened honestly yeah uh, but i think i think he went on to say later on in his career that he enjoyed his time in missouri i'm not sure that he wanted to leave that's just how it happened whether i don't know if he failed his classes or if he was lying about being dismissed, I don't really know what the case was, but I don't think anybody knew what was going on and right. still don't really. Yeah. Um, it's really unfortunate that he couldn't end his career with Missouri, but he definitely ended his, career, ended his, ended his senior year on a really high note because his last three games, uh, the Mac tournament championship, he put up 26 points to get them to the, and get them an NCAA tournament berth. And then, course in that big upset of arizona he had 25 points and then they did get beat by kentucky but he put up 26 points in that game so he kind of rode off into the sunset and actually um in more recent news he was able to get a professional contract to play in italy so yeah that was in august so about six months ago he signed a contract he is still on the team's roster on their website which is always good because a lot of times you see those announcements of a contract to play overseas and then you are looking for any stats or seeing if they're on the roster and they're just nowhere to be found but Mm -hmm. um, his team's season just started on the 10th of february and he did not make the box score so i don't know what that means but he's still on their on their roster on the website so good for him no, I, I don't think I have anything else on, on Wes Clark. I uh, wish him the best wherever he may be in Italy at this moment. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're curious whatever happened to him, that's what happened. And you got any final thoughts about uh, Missouri, their upcoming games or anything? No, I think I got it all out there Okay. in this podcast. Well, speaking of this podcast, uh, you can find it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.